I'm reading today from Psalm 25. You'll find that on page 459 in the Bible in the chair in front of you. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. For they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble, and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes, and with what violent hatred they hate me. O oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O oh God, out of all his troubles. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Now that's what one of my riggers said to me at Fort Bragg, North Carolina when I walked into the rigger shed. Now some of you might be saying, what's a rigger shed? Who's a rigger? Well, for you non-airborne personnel or you what they call, paratroopers call legs, um, the, the riggers, the ones who collect the chutes, they clean them, they spread them out on tables and they pack them up and they get them ready and they take them out to the drop zone uh, to get prepared to do an airborne operation for us paratroopers. So he said to me one day as I was looking at what he was doing and talking to him about his job, he looked at me and says, do you trust me? And I looked at him like any good uh, paratrooper and chaplain, of course I trust you. I wouldn't, if I didn't trust you, I wouldn't be jumping up and getting in a plane and putting on this parachute and jumping out. I do trust you. But then I thought to myself for a second that I said to him, I trust you that this chute will open, but I also, more than anything, trust my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he'll always be with me and protect over me. 
So do you trust me? Do you trust God? Well, I, I've had to really trust God over this last three days, as you are well aware of, as, as uh, Ransom has prayed for. I got a text on Wednesday that said, hey, I got a temperature of 100 degrees. Uh, don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to get better. So I kind of sloughed it off, prayed for him real quick. Got another text with him on Thursday saying, I ain't preaching Sunday. I have COVID. So he said, are you up for preaching? And I was on my watch when he was sending me this. You know, you get your little text messages on your Apple watch. And the first uh, thing that I wanted to do was hit, no, I'm not ready. <laughs> Call someone else. Because uh, if you don't know, uh, Sally and I are getting ready to be moving. And we're, we're cl closing on uh, the sale of our house on Thursday. And all my stuff's in storage. Uh, from my computer to my books to my suit coat that I would normally wear up here. Yeah, I'm one of those weird uh, uh, pastors that want to wear a coat when they preach, but um, that's just my style. And so my uh, first re response was no, and then I thought about it and said, well, um, I wouldn't have got the nod if it wasn't meant to be so. So on three days preparation, I, I, pulled, out one of my, I pulled out my iPad and pulled out my files and found an old sermon from, uh, from Psalm 25 that I pre preached at a chapel one time or another. And then I went and began my preparation. Do we trust God? Do you trust God? You know, we have gone through the Psalms here over the summer, and as we look at, at Psalm 25 this day, we're going to continue that theme of, of salt life, right? That salt life, P-S-A-L-T. Um, I'm not a salt life person hanging out at the beach, but I am, and I do live the psalm life. If you, know, if you would know me and know my Bible study every day, the first thing I read is a psalm. And a lot of times I don't just read it and just, just contemplate it. I read it out loud because as Ransom had talked before, and if you're well aware of the psalms, they are songs and poems. And most times songs and psalms are meant to be read silently. No, they're meant to be read out loud. They have a lot of meaning and power when we read them out loud. So I, I live that psalm life. And hopefully as we look at Psalm 25 today, um, it can show us how we can trust and pray, and how we can follow that model that David shows us here today. And before let's do this, let's pray ourselves. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for this glorious day. It might be rainy and cloudy outside, Lord, but we have uh, sunshine in our hearts, knowing that you are our Savior, and that you guide and direct our steps at all times and all places. And even as we uh, uh, pray for ransom that he would heal quick, quickly, Lord, uh, we all know that each and every one of us need a healing upon our hearts and our souls. And it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ. So I ask that as we, uh, uh, that I preach this day, that your Holy Spirit would fall upon me. And more importantly, that the Spirit and the words would go out in great power amongst not only this congregation here, but out to the people who might be listening online. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. David knows, especially in this psalm, that only God can help him. If you know anything about, I guess, the history and where this sits in the history of Israel, um, this is about the time most commentators and scholars would say that David's on the run. He's on the run by himself from King Saul. Now, he wasn't an enemy to King Saul in any way, but, they, but King Saul believed that he was his enemy and he sought his life, and he was on the run, and he was by himself, and he was on his own. Now, who is David? When I say King David or David or, or uh, David and Goliath, most people know that story. They know who David is, but maybe not everyone does. 
Maybe you're new here to Grace. Maybe you've, this is the first time you've really been uh, getting into your studies, and the only thing you've heard is what, what a ransom preacher, which you've studied on your own, and maybe you haven't got to the stories of David, or maybe online you feel the same way. Who is this David character, and why do we even want to listen to what he has to say in the Psalms or follow him? Well, for David, he was, uh, most, most of you might know, or he's known as that, that shepherd boy, that shepherd boy who uh, took care of his uh, father's flocks, the sheep that he had, and he did so very well. Or you might just know David as that warrior, that warrior who slew Goliath or, or that battle captain and, and warrior that helped win a lot of the wars um, for King Saul. And eventually, as he became king of Israel, um, he was that warrior king. That's who David is. But how does David know that he can trust God. Well, David knew God, and he knew his character. And as any Jew at the time, as he was raised as a boy, he would have heard the oral stories passed down from his parents. He would have been, he would have been circumcised on the eighth day. He would have been taught. He would have been preparing those lambs to take to be sacrificed for the sin of the, of the nation and for himself. And he would have known and lived to follow God's commands. He would have been a very good Jewish boy and Jewish man. David knew God and his character. And he calls it out several times about how he knows God through the attributes that he reveals here in Psalm uh, 25. It says in verse 3, Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. So everyone who waits upon the Lord will never be put to shame. So he knew that about God. In verse 5, it says there, Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. More than any way, or more than anything, David knew that God was the only one that could save him, and not on a physical way, but on a spiritual way. In verse 6, it says, Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. David had always felt that steadfast love that God had given him. Verse 8 says, um, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble. He knew that who God was, he was perfect in every way. And he knew that he uh, knew about God. In verse 10, it says, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. God's character is that mercy. God's character is that love and his steadfastness no matter what. David knew it. He reveals it here in the text. But more importantly, do you know this? Have you experienced this? Do you know this within your heart of hearts, uh, those things that David has given to us? To know God is to search for God, I believe. To know someone as anything. If you get to know someone... Just as I've gotten to know many of you over these years, you spend time with them, you talk to them, you, 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 you break bread with them, you get to know them. And just like David, he had spent time with God in prayer, in his word, in the sacrifices. He spent time, and he had that open communication at all times with God. And that's what God calls us to do at all times, to reach out to him, to have that open communication but what does that open communi communication look like? Well, we see here from David, uh, David pulls no punches, does he? 
He openly speaks to God whatever is on his mind. Whatever distresses he might have, he speaks his mind. We see this specifically in verses 16 um, through 19 where it says, Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my afflictions and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. He's pulling no punches. He's crying out whatever's on his mind. He's proclaiming to God who he is, or, you know, what he's going through in his life. He calls out to God. Do we do the same thing? Do we cry out to God in our most desperate need and hour? Or do we only use him when everything is going our way and we pray to him then? And I know what it's like to be afflicted. Over these last three or four years, I've been going through a lot of health issues. I'm, you know, over the course of, of, uh, of many doctors and physicians, all the way from MUSC to downtown to Duke, up in North Carolina, all the way to Johns Hopkins. I went from doctor to doctor trying to figure out what was wrong with me, and they never did figure it out. But fortunately for me, and I, and I praise God for this, that the doctors were able to get my medication somewhat okay to where I can even be up here today. A few short years ago, I would be having my cane and I'd probably be sitting in a stool um, on the last minute to be, able to, even, to be able to get here and bring God's word. We cry out to him even in our most desperate times of affliction. We see that, um, you know, David talks about being, lo- for I am lonely and afflicted. I imagine many of us here and many of us at, at home uh, watching online have spent some time in, with lonely feelings. How could you not? Two years of COVID at home. A lot of times people can't get out because of health reasons and that. And it, was a bit, it was a very difficult and lonely uh, time. But who do we have to turn to that during that time? We always have the Lord, just as David turned to him. We wait on the Lord. And sometimes it's not for a healing a physical healing. I, I cried out and called out to God uh, numerous times without ceasing that he would heal, my, give, heal me or give me a diagnosis or help me to be back to where I used to be. But did I really fully need a healing of my body? I wanted that. I needed that. But more importantly, I needed a healing of my soul. I needed a healing of my soul. And I believe that when we pray to God, just as David prayed to God here, it's therapeutic. But is it for God's benefit or for ours? That's why it's therapeutic, it's for our benefit. Just as David talked to God, we can and we must talk to God. And as we read through this psalm, and David uh, prays and he, he talks to God openly, he also shows us the model of what we're supposed to do when we pray to God. Because he shows us in this, these verses who he really is. Who is David? Well, we've already said he's a shepherd, and, or he was a shepherd. He was a warrior and he was a king. But first, above all else, David recognized who he really is, a sinner. He's a sinner. And we see that uh, very eloquently in verses 7 and verses uh, 11. It says in verse 7, Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. And in verse 11, he says, For your namesake, O God, part of my guilt, for it is great. And we see here, even in his sin, David does not stop 
reaching out and calling out to God. He realizes that no matter what he has done or what he will do, God will be there listening to him. Uh, some of us might think that we have to be a certain way or act a certain way to come before the throne of God and to pray unto him. We don't. Because the one thing we all have is sin. And we need God um, to be able to forgive us of our sins. Once, God, once David knew God's character, he cries out to him for forgiveness and mercy. He cries out to Yahweh. Now, ironically, I didn't choose the, uh, the psalm that we were going to, to uh, uh, recite today on our uh, confession of sin, but it was Psalm 51. And I was going to reference that here today because it's the, probably the greatest song of, of, of psalm of deep contrition for sin. And we realize that we do need to confess. It's commanded in Scripture. I mean, that is why each and every week we have a confession of sin. And we do so not only individually, but we do so corporately. But the greatest thing of all is even in our sin and we, and we uh, repent to God and we ask for his forgiveness, he gives us that great assurance and pardon for it. And if it wasn't important, we wouldn't do it here at Grace Presbyterian Church. ARP Church. David knew that even in the sin, he knew about God's mercy and his steadfast love. We recognize that just like David, we are sinners. We ask for forgiveness. And as believers, the one thing we do have is that steadfast love and mercy through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We repent. David repented. And lastly, in Psalm 25, David shows us how friendship works with God. David was a true friend of God. And David understood the importance of God's friendship. David understood that he was part of a covenant people that was handed all the way back uh, from Abraham. And we see this in verses 14 and 15 where he says, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. He's referring back to that Abrahamic covenant that was given to Abraham so many years before that. It was a promise not on what Abraham did, but what on God did for Abraham and the nation of Israel. He had told Abraham that he would be, his, his descendants would be like the sand, uh, the, the sand on the seashore or the stars in the sky. But did Abraham have to keep any promises? No, because we know he broke several promises. We know that several times in the, in the book of Genesis, he masqueraded his wife Sarah as, as his sister because he feared about the death of when he went to a certain area. Both times God forgave his, trans, his transgressions because God's covenants, as he made with Abraham, cannot be broken. And that's what David's harking back to. God made a covenant with David, um, or made a covenant with Abraham, and eventually he would make a covenant with David. And that covenant comes from 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 through 13. And he's, he reveals this to David. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. Who shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. He's telling um, uh, he's telling David that the promises will be fulfilled, that your kingdom will last forever. And who is the consummation of that kingdom? The consummation of that kingdom is Jesus Christ. 
the true covenant for us here today. You know, our covenant was Jesus Christ, which is a much better covenant than even any covenant that had been uh, given. It was all the other covenants were preparation for this covenant uh, of Christ. The author and writer of Hebrews um, tells us about this in Hebrews 8, 6, and 7. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, which it was full of fault, there would have not been no occasion to look for a second. Our covenant is with Jesus Christ and that's what we, who we look forward and look for today. David shows us a requirement for this friendship based on these covenants, which requires fear and time. As he said there, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. Now, when we think of fear, it's not automatically we think of shaking in our boots. You're scared of heights, and you look, and you get all scared, and your heart starts pounding. It's not like that. Fear, as David's relating here, the fear of the Lord is deep reverence and awe of the almighty creator God of the universe who reaches down and wants a relationship with his people. Time. In order to have a good friend, you must um, you know, give them time. And as you see in verse 15, David says, My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck, out, he will pluck my uh, feet out of the net. He knew that he needed time with the Lord. God was David's friend. God was David's best friend. He was on his own running. He knew where he could turn to. God was David's friend. David feared. God gave him awe, gave him reverence, but he also spent time with him. In turn, we fear. We spend time with the best friend we could ever have. God in salvation is, is already, God in salvation um, is our friend Jesus Christ, which has been established and can't be stripped away no matter what. And who does this be- friendship benefit the most? It's us. Now, David today has given us a wonderful example of how we can trust and approach God in Psalm 25. David knew God's character. He openly and often talked with God, even in his sin. David knew that he could approach God with contrition and ask for forgiveness. And David showed us here today how we can be, how we can, what it means to be a true friend of God. And in the words of Ransom, in order to live the salt life, we follow the example of David by trusting and praying, knowing God's character, talking with God openly and without restraint, asking for forgiveness, and most importantly, embracing that true friendship with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, we're going to approach the Lord's table today, the Lord's Supper, and it's a visible reminder of our best friend. I go back and hearken back to the words of Jesus in John 15, 13, which says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. Jesus was that friend. That even in our sin, he poured out himself for us. Even when we fall short, he is that advocate daily for us in heaven, for us. And, and this is just a visible representation of that, that he shed his blood for us, broke his body and shed his blood for us. 
And we come to this throne of grace uh, to not only, is not just a memorial, because we know it's not just a memorial. It's a spiritual time to be able to renew our covenants with him. Just like I talked about the covenants earlier today that God gave to us, we renew that Christ covenant each time. And who comes to this table? It's for those who are believers. If you believe that Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, it's welcome to you. If you're a baptized and, and a believer in Christ, this table is open for you.